2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Hi, this is Natalie Young. And Richard says he's getting tired of doing these intros. And he thinks people are probably also getting tired of hearing him on here. So he coerced me into doing the introduction. And he's going to go clean the bathrooms after this, if we can get this recorded. So... I'm so excited that we are going to be able to hear an interview today with someone named Danny Gorton. And unfortunately, some of the topics being discussed are not safe for kids. So with all that being said, what do you guys say? Buckle up, strap in, love y'all, appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Danny, talk to me about um, talk to me about old Danny. Who was <laughs> that guy? How did he become old Danny? Who who's this dude? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because the last couple of days I've been thinking about what I wanted to say about old Danny, and I I was you know I was talking to Eddie a few weeks ago on on your death to life uh, Bible study. And it was just like, man, I don't remember a lot of old Danny, but I've purposefully tried to remember a few things so that I could speak about him, <laughs> which okay. has been kind of weird, I guess, but, uh, but good. No, it's good. Um, cause ultimately it's, it's just encouragement for other people. But, um, old Danny was addicted to, to women, <laughs> Old Danny was addicted to sports in an extremely unhealthy way, and uh, so when was, when did this start for Old Danny? Like, 
did you just grow up like a sports guy and then yeah talk to me about that so i grew up in corvallis oregon and uh that's where Oregon state university is. And I come from a long, um, string of Oregon state graduates. And so growing up, it was just like, we would, you know, we would go to games, we would go to basketball games. We would go to Saturday night football games because we were good Adventists, you know, and, uh, we we would, uh, you know, OSU baseball won some national championships in the mid, the mid early two thousands. So, it was just kind of like you go to school, everybody was wearing orange and black, like everybody talked about it. It's like it was pretty much the town's identity in a sense. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And so it was. How did that become unhealthy? Well, I mean, when you're going as well as your team's going, there's a problem. <laughs> and I think Mercy. you might know some of that with Kansas City, but like it's. My neighbor just turned on his. Uh, weed whacker but uh um i might go back inside yeah so essentially you're only going as well as your team's going so like and being a beaver fan like we lose a lot so (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of hard to uh to be good all the time when your identity is rooted in your local team (laughs) so at at a young age your whole family's oregon state fans and and you would live and die by by how they were doing. Yeah, I mean, essentially. I, also, the other half of that is you really hate the Oregon Ducks, and so like you just you you spend half of your life, you know, addicted to your team, and then the other half just hating the other team and hoping they lose, and it's just it's just not healthy. <laughs> so then, when you said you said something funny the other day, uh, you said I was addicted to women. Mm-hmm. But they were not addicted to me. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, in the whole grand scheme of things, I'm so happy they weren't. Because I I had, you know, I had a few girlfriends and they were they were great and they were cute, but I like in general, like if I could have had it my way, you know, ten years five to ten years ago, like it would have been an absolute train wreck. Um it, it it would have been like pretty much anything I can get, I would have taken. And so because that wasn't happening, what, like how did you end up deciding how to live your life? Or maybe it wasn't a decision, but what did you turn to? Uh, definitely um, pornography. Definitely. Um, I mean, it, it, it kind of came to the point where I was like, I was pretty overweight and I, I lost like 40, I think like 40 pounds in the summer to, to get to this weight that I wanted to be at so that maybe girls would find me attractive so they would be with me. And, uh, and that did end up working, but it, it definitely was not the right, the right girl for me, the right person for me, (laughs) which sparked a two or three year relationship that I should not have been in. But so during all of this, you say you grew up, I, I was, I just visited your home church. Yeah, you grew up right there in Corvallis. You were a seventh Seventh Day Adventist. Mm-hmm. How did this all match up with what you were going through? Did you think about like God when it came to this, like, or or who was God, right? When when this was all going on? Yeah, I think I, my whole life, like, I've believed there was a God because I just, I personally like, I can't see a reality without a God. Like, I just, I've thought about it 
enough and I've looked into it enough that to me, everything has to come from something. And the biblical definition for, for God is that he was outside of space and time and he, he didn't, he's not, he is the something that made all things. So like, to me, it just like made sense that there's always a God, but um, it was more like intellectual. It wasn't like relational, I would say. And uh, so I was at the Corvallis church and um, I mean, grow up, but growing up at uh, Adventist, you, you have, you, you know, people come and do prophecy seminars and some of the stuff made sense. So I was like, you know, it, it works with the timeline, like, but it, it definitely instilled more of a fear-based God in my, in my mind than a, than a freedom, uh, freedom God. <laughs> right. And so I had a buddy, honestly, like shout out to George Wellman. Um, he doesn't live, he actually lives in Hawaii now, but, um, there's like three people that outside of my parents that are most influential people in my life. And, uh, George Wellman is one of those. And he, he was at that church and he taught the, the kids, um, Sabbath school class. And he, he never jammed faith down our throat or religion down our, I would say he never jammed religion down our throat. He was always intentional with relationships. And he, whenever he had an an opportunity, he would have him and his wife would have us over for lunch. And he would like, he didn't steer away from biblical, you know, conversation and, and relational conversation. He might not have, we're both living in freedom now. Um, cause he's one of my best friends, but, uh, at the time, I don't think we, either of us had, you know, had freedom, but, uh, he just loved me. Like hmm. he just met me where I was at. He wasn't afraid to, you know, throw the football with me on that, you know, Saturday afternoon after church. Mm-hmm. And because he knew that it might spark a, a, a friendship that would then later, you know, lead into real conversations about God. And, and, uh, he, Basically, what ended up happening was I grew up there. We moved in um, eighth grade to Portland, to Hillsboro, Oregon. I then went back for college, and he was still there. Hmm. And he met me in a really dark place. So you had gotten into this dark place because even though like, you knew God existed, like, well, I mean, you tell me what was this dark place? <laughs> yeah, yeah. the The dark place was I had I had dated this girl for about two or three years, and we had been doing things that we should not have been doing. And uh, I, my identity was just completely wrapped up in her. And uh, she decided to see someone else and leave me behind, and uh, it really crushed me. It rocked my world, and. Uh, it really, honestly, like I went into a deep chasm of pornography. <laughs> like it yeah. was, like, it was like every day for like three weeks. It was like all like any time I had a chance, any time I'd think about it. I mean, like the second you think about it, you've like mm-hmm. lost the battle essentially. Essentially, and so that's not where I live now, which is great. But um, he he just had me over for lunch, like, and he let me cry. And he didn't like judge me. He didn't, he just sat with me. He put an, you know, he sat across the table from me and like some days he'd sit next to me and put his arms around me and give me a hug. Some days he just let his dog sit on my lap. Um, Newman rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He, uh, he'd feed me lunch. You know, it was just like, 
it was a safe place. Like I knew I could go to George's house. Hmm. I knew that George was, was safe. It's funny. Cause he's, he's more, it's so funny. Cause like people think he's really rough around the edges when they see his fake Facebook posts and like sometimes their interactions with him, but man, he's so gentle. And I just, hmm. I love, I saw Jesus in him essentially. Hmm. So your life had um, not gone as you had planned it then. Like, it sounds like you were really into this this woman and you thought that there was a future and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath and you start feeling really bad for yourself. Yeah, I think the year up to that, I I knew that it was going to end in disaster, but you're just trying to hold on to anything anything that you have left because all your identity's wrapped up in it. So I, once that rug got completely pulled out from under me, um, I basically what had happened was a couple of years before that. Um, have you ever heard of Jack Sequera? Does that name sound familiar? I don't think so. No. Yeah. He's a, he's an Adventist preacher. He's, he's, um, he inspired Lightbearer's ministry. Um, he's a older guy. I think he's in his eighties now, but he preaches, you know, freedom from sin. And um, he actually visited the Corvallis church back in 2012. And uh, he planted a seed in me that, that George definitely um, watered. And uh, it had always been a thought in the back of my mind of, man, God loves me. I'm, I'm free from sin. I had really no idea what that meant. Um, in practice, um, and, uh, beginning to hang out with George, that seed grew. So this is back in, in 2012. Yeah. So, sorry. And so basically that's in 2012. Um, my ex breaks up with me in 2014, 20, yeah, 2014, 20, I think it's like 2014. And that was the moment where my identity was stripped away from me. And so then the seed, like I started wondering, like, is this all there is to life? <laughs> right. And so that seed that had been planted in me a couple of years earlier, I, I couldn't get my mind off of it. I was like, what's that about? I got to learn more about that because I actually like that. Hmm. Did you get so low that you were thinking about hurting yourself or were you just like, I don't even know what to do. I, I, I never, I've never thought about hurting myself in my life. I mean, I've, you know, the enemy gives you those random thoughts every once in a while, but it's never been like a thought that I, I love, I love to live. Like I love being alive and, um, never had, you know, any of that. But I mean, in terms of like harming my body with, you know, wanting to just be with any girl yeah that was probably a a place that i was at at that time but thankfully like it didn't happen. it didn't happen it's it's interesting that you were talking about how you don't remember old danny too much i can't like i'm hearing you say this yeah. stuff and i'm like that doesn't sound like <laughs> I, I really know yeah. like i'm like that that's 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 crazy and one thing i've touched on this before on the podcast but it's so real for me for my life and i think it it 
isn't a bad idea to go over it again. Feeling sorry for ourselves, like there's no end to how low we can go when we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Yeah. And yep. it's it's anti-gospel. Um, but there's so many, like this morning I had a temptation like to just really start going down a path in my in my mental game just that it was just like leading to sorry for myself and um yeah if we're going to do that um there's there's really no end uh so how how did you did this guy george is, is watering this this thing um how long did it take for you to feel like, oh, maybe I'm over my ex or stop feeling sorry for yourself in some ways? Oh, such a good question. Oh, man. I'm so happy you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't even thought about this for years, but I'm so happy you asked that question. A lot of people, like, when they get broken up with, they ask me, like, how long does it take? And honestly, like, it took me, like, almost a year yeah. like to just get to a place where I – you know, the first couple of weeks, you just, you think about them constantly and you think about, and then you try to, um, bandaid the thing constantly. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But after a couple months, I remember maybe around like, like Christmas, I had a full day with my family and I realized like at the end of the day, I was like, I didn't even think about her today. Right. And then, and then maybe about six months later, it was like, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, mm -hmm. And I think the temptation is to rush into every other relationship when what you really need is you just need time. You just need time with the Lord. You need time with friends and trusted family. And and uh, I've had multiple friends that have had that exact same experience. It always seems to take longer for us guys. I know. I think that girls like with the heartbreak, they'll they'll surround themselves with their friends and they'll yeah. and guys like we just go off and hide in our in our room or by ourselves and we're not really interested in in talking about it mm. back when <laughs> we're talking about sports so we could talk about this back when yeah <laughs> uh, KU I think I know where you going yeah <laughs> KU lost in the elite 8 to uh, Virginia Commonwealth Back when we had the VCU. number one seed. It's okay. And it, OSU lost to VCU a few years ago in the first round. So I get oh, it. They're not there. And <laughs> after the loss, I just sat in my basement in my chair. It might have been an hour or two hours just sitting there. Yep. Not good for anybody. No good. <laughs> um, and, uh, I when I had a relationship that that didn't work out and all my relationships uh except not working out. Yeah, right. Uh, that's how, that's kind of how <laughs> it works. Sense. Makes sense. Um no nah, man, like I would go off and I would just be by myself. And uh it wasn't any good for anybody. Yeah, no. Bro, the just cuz we're talking about this the most painful loss I've ever experienced in my life was the 2000, we call it the civil war. They actually got rid of that name, but it's the game annually between Oregon and Oregon state. Right. And it's, it's basically this year it was for the Rose bowl. Like oh, in no. my dream, my number one bucket list, like outside of gospel stuff is like just for fun. My number one dream is to watch the Beavers play in the Rose bowl. Right. At and the Rose my, bowl? 
at the Rose Bowl. Like, okay. I've seen them play UCLA there because that's their home place, but, like, in the actual Rose Bowl game, right? Right. And they lost to Oregon with two minutes left on, like, we literally, it was fourth and eight, and all we had to do was tackle the quarterback, and the quarterback ran over our, our stud linebacker for the first down and then got the touchdown. Like, it was so depressing. And that I was sat this year. In my room and cried for like two hours. <laughs> Wait, that was that this year, bro? No, this is two thousand nine. Okay, yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. I was a junior in high school, and I went to a high school that was predominantly duck. And so I got there the next morning, and they just shoved it in my face, man. <laughs> oh, dude, dude. Hey, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're not a sports fan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just hold on for for yeah. a second. You may yeah. not understand, dudes, and how we get. But uh, no, man. It's personal. It, it was at the time. Oh, and 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 there's some very sad stuff. Like the state of Nebraska. I lived in. I've lived in Nebraska longer than I've lived anywhere else. And Oregon. At least you guys have a basketball team, like the, yeah. an NBA team. Yeah. But there's not much else. Guys, your two universities, and that's that's huge. Yeah. And yeah. in Nebraska, it's like Cornhusker. <laughs> football and when the huskers lose which they have been making a tradition of like in the last like they've they've fallen from how they were in the 90s when they lose domestic violence in the state of nebraska just skyrockets oh no it just goes up and up and up and up and anytime the huskers lose um and it's like when you're like the state of nebraska's identity (laughs) the state of nebraska needs freedom uh it's corn husker football. Well, it's it's so interesting how like it's not just individual identity sometimes. Like it goes geographically and regionally. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like the whole city of Corvallis would get depressed when the Beavers would lose. <laughs> like <laughs> and and I went to school at Union College, which is in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I felt like on Saturday afternoon there's this one square block in Lincoln, Nebraska that does has no idea what's going on mm-hmm. and the whole city is either in jubilation or extreme anger. And those of us at union college, we we're just like, what, what? I remember right. driving downtown. I'm like, why are all these cars here? And someone was like, it's the football game fool. And I was like, Oh, and I rolled down the window and I was like, how did they do? And this Husker, Husker I should have just known by the way he was walking and he cussed me out something fierce and something about, and, and I was like, I yeah, don't think sorry. they did well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if your identity is wrapped up in that, and that's kind of what fandom is, um, mm-hmm. your, your identity gets wrapped up in it. And um, my boy Drew Meckelberg and I talk about this all the time, about how watching sports in freedom is yeah. completely different different than yep. how we used to watch sports and praise yep. the lord yep um well and it's 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 funny because i still am extremely passionate about my team it's just it doesn't like it's not tied to my identity anymore and so like when they i love the other team too you know if i my it's not tied to my identity <laughs> i'm am able to love the other team like osu lost on saturday night against purdue mm-hmm. and i it was just like Okay, this was fun to watch. I had a good time with my friends, and we move on in life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. So yeah. this uh, this breakup happens, and you're it takes a year, and that's a, something I wanted to touch on as well. Yeah, like sometimes 
you just need time for the Lord to just pour into you. And it, and it might feel bad for a long time, but in, in freedom, um, truth speaks louder. Yeah. Like if yeah. your identity is wrapped up in, I mean, we all know what it like, like, like what it was before freedom, what, what breakups and all that stuff did to yeah. us. Um, well, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the idea that if say you're in prison and then you get released from prison after being in prison for 30 years, like you're free. It's mm-hmm. just, you're also learning to walk again. <laughs> yeah. And so with this breakup, you know, I'm, I am free from my ex, but I'm also learning to live without my ex again. (laughs) So it does take time. I mean, like to say it doesn't take any time would be, would be a lie. But you're not learning to get free. You're learning what life and freedom is like, man, that's a perfect, I just thought of the Shawshank redemption, like where Mm -hmm. uh, the guy gets free, he gets out of jail and uh, he ends up killing himself. And uh, like some people, some people are so used to the the slavery yep. that yep. they don't the freedom sounds scary to them. Yeah. Yeah. So so okay, so you're going on and uh what 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 happens next as you're as you're growing in this thing? Yeah, so I I would say like so I got freedom from sin in twenty twelve. Um the the spark of it, not like the full clarity yeah. of it, but the like the intro. It was like there's something there. And then um Breakup happens. I take time to heal, and a big, uh, a big life-changing ministry that I encourage, and many of you are already tapped into, but I would encourage you to check out is Lightbearers Ministry um, with mm-hmm. Ty Gibson and David Ashrick. I I started going down to um, convocation. It, was, it used to be in Eugene. It's called Lightbearers Convocation, and uh, they would. One thing I think that lightbearers is extremely good at is sharing like the character of God. And so mm-hmm. I, I began this couple year process of understanding who God was and breaking the lies of like who I thought that he was. And so I, I, you know, I thought that, you know, God was controlling every decision that I made. That's just not true. He, he has given us freedom of choice and, and a will and, and his, deepest desires that our will um, is voluntarily uh, attached to his will, you know, and, and mm-hmm. he, he doesn't want puppets. He wants, he, he loves us. He wants us to be fully free and fully known. And, uh, and so I started that process with, with light bears and it through George, George was the one that introduced me to light bears. And um, I really miss them. I still wish they were out here in, 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 in Oregon, they moved to Tennessee, but um Ty Gibson has a series called Reimagining God. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest you check that out if you have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was a huge growth growth step from uh, 2014 to 2016. So you're yeah. just kind of learning who God is. How yeah. did that change how you operated? Just getting this kind of understanding of God's character. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's like when you know God is a certain way, then you begin to assume that he, or you know how he interacts with you. So Mm -hmm. like that, it changed how I saw myself because I was like, if God doesn't see me this way, why do I see myself this way? (laughs) Like, 
if God doesn't see, and then it also affects how you see other people. Um, if God doesn't see me this way, then why am I seeing other people that way? And uh, really, there's this there's this general rule or law, but it's I see you the way that I see God seeing me. Hmm. Say that so again. I see you the way that I see God seeing me. So if if God sees me through the lens of love, then I'm loved and secure. Then I'm able to see you through the the lens of love. But if God sees me as condemned, then I project that which I believe God is seeing me as. Hmm. So if I believe I'm condemned, then I, I see you as condemned, right? And so right. out of the abundance uh, of the heart, the mouth speaks, essentially. It's what, what do I believe about God is really the, the root of it all. Wow. So you're, you're starting to see people a little bit different as you're seeing, yeah. oh, this is who God is. Yeah. And I haven't, I mean, I haven't talked to my ex and other than I sent her one text when I found out her dad died. Mm-hmm. I did not talk to my ex. I haven't talked to my ex in since probably 2014. But I there was one moment a couple of years later that I I began to see her that way. Like I've never told her that. She doesn't know it. I just have no reason to talk to her anymore. But um yeah, I was like, wow, God loves me. So that means he loves her too. And so awesome. yeah, it was just like healing. So at this time as you're as you're understanding God's character, were you still struggling with, with porn and that sort of thing? Like, how did you put that all together? Yeah. So this is probably like getting at like the biggest paradigm shift for me was I used to identify with Romans seven and Mm. essentially Romans seven is a man stuck between he's double-minded stuck between wanting to do something, but not being able to do it at least Mm -hmm. seven, seven to the end of the chapter. Right. Yeah, um, seven to twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, right. And so I, I've, and even George, like both of us at that at that point, were very much identifying with, with the double minded man of Romans seven, and and we knew that God loved us. We just assumed that He loved us. No, you know, He does love us no matter what. But we just assumed that He loved and saw us as sinner. Hmm. Um, and so we, I, identifying from that place. Um, it, I think I remember, I remember asking Jonathan the first time he came to, um, Oregon conference, uh, camp meeting back in 2018, I remember saying like, like God loves me, but, but why do I continue to do these things? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but in between that and, um, 2016 was that just more of life being like you're just trying really hard because you're seeing who god is and that he loves you and so you're just gonna like really make an effort yeah i think a lot of a lot of people probably have the same the same um experience in in the sense that you know you you go a couple weeks without looking at it and then you fall back into temptation and then you you and then you go into it again and then you you know you it's just this cycle of confession and then going right back to the thing and then just feeling like dirt. Yeah. Yeah, That's, um, I find that when I start talking about, I I felt like that was going to be my whole life. Yeah. Right. That two years I did too. And I would, that there would be, I remember 
distinctly thinking, well, as it gets better and better, like I'll go like two months, then maybe four months, then maybe six months as I'm really getting this thing. And then maybe I'll even be able to get a whole year. And then maybe I'll, and then maybe 15, like, and I was just thinking, um, and whether or not that's true in like reality, mm-hmm. I don't think about it like that at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, essentially it's like, that's living sin conscious. Right. That's, li- that's living, like thinking about the last, I mean, if you're, li- if you're living, thinking about the last time you sinned, then you're living, thinking about sin, which means you're mind is sin conscious essentially in my mind was sin conscious bro i had like a counter on my phone with um man i remember a long time ago there's 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 these moments in our lives where somebody somebody says something and it just sticks yeah and if it's bad it's bad and i remember talking to a buddy of mine who used to travel with me and we we worked at different places, but we would travel together when we were on the road. And um, he was quite a few years, maybe four or five years older than I was. And we're on the road, and he starts explaining this thing to me. And he's like, I am addicted. And I was like, really? And he's like, and this is before like it had really grabbed a hold of me. Like The internet wasn't as yeah. prevalent. Like I had... And he was just saying, yeah, man, like, and his level was, he had now started visiting uh, strip clubs and he was Mm -hmm. like, whenever he was on the road, he couldn't not do that. Or if he was in his hotel room, like it was, and I said to him, well, what about, and he had two kids and and a beautiful wife. And I was like, well, what about your wife and kids? Does that ever like get you to stop or, and he was like, no. And like maybe he was kind of sad when he said it mm-hmm. and um that made a huge impression on me i was like wow it's not it's not it's uh that's not enough mm-hmm. and when i had a counter on my phone i actually had a picture of my wife and my daughter on there and i thought oh when i look at this counter i'll see that them and that will encourage me to but what was that that was just like a a sin conscious strategy right yeah right but that made like a huge impression on me yeah and then another time if i can say one more thing like now i'm yeah now i'm telling my my struggle my story is uh i resonate with pretty much (laughs) yeah one more thing i'm about to sneeze again oh man I was talking to this, and I'm not sure if I've told this story on here before, but I was talking to a guy, an an Adventist preacher who was on the circuit, who would preach a ton. And maybe if I've told this story, I'm sorry. But um, he was really, really open about his addiction to pornography. Mm -hmm. And he would still get invited places, and he would do weeks of prayer and all this stuff. But he was just super open about pornography. And I'm at his house one day, and I don't know him very well, but we'll start talking. And since he talks about this stuff uh, out in the open, like, I feel like I could ask him a question. And I was struggling, and I was like, hey, man, like, you know, just kind of dipped, like, my toe in the water just kind of on that subject. 
And he said to me, it has been 374 days since I have looked at pornography. And I was like, oh, I'm like, that's cool. And he's like, but it can come back at any time. And he's like, so I have to keep watch. And I was like, wow. Like, and this guy's, guy. he's, he's a lot older than I am. And since this time, since I got free, I've been wanting to talk to him. I haven't had a chance to. I, we set up a phone call once and I wasn't able to talk to him. But he said like, yeah, I've actually had to go for a long time without even having sex with my wife. I've had to, and mm. he's just kind of listing this stuff. And I walked away from that and I was like, wow. Uh. Um, and that made a huge impression on me. That's actually what got me to like get a counter on my phone. Mm. Um, and, but I, I know you're hearing this. It wasn't, it wasn't the answer. It wasn't the right. solution. It wasn't right. it. So when, where did you, at what point are you when you get introduced to this, this freedom from sin message? So what's funny is like, there's probably three big moments in my life that have really shifted the paradigm. Right. And, 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 taking me on a course that I was just like, wow, I didn't know I was going to go that way. That's awesome. This is so much better. And I've already talked about the one about um, Jack Square at the Corvallis Church. The other one is actually just a verse in the Bible. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. I One day, I, I think it was probably around 2013, 2014, I was just like reading on a Saturday, Sabbath afternoon. And I, I came across that verse and it says that he has made made perfect. And I, and I just, I sat there for a second and honestly, I just, I thought in my brain, I said, if the Bible says I'm perfect, then isn't that what I am? Hmm. And I had that thought and it just kind of stuck in there for, you know, a couple of years. And then, um, the third, the third time that really, really sealed it for me was when Jonathan, Oh, we all know him. Jonathan Leonardo came to uh, Oregon Young Adult Camp Meeting in 2018. And and I had been living in the intellectual understanding that I was free from sin since 2014 or 2012. But the practice of that and then the experience of that was like not as – it had, had began. It had definitely began. And honestly, I was probably to the point in 2018 where I really wasn't like entirely struggling with pornography anymore. Because mm-hmm. I had gotten loved through the character of God, um, I didn't understand my identity though, and so I I had no idea that the Holy Spirit lived in my heart. <laughs> right, like that was a completely novel concept when Jonathan came to to Portland, and my life changed when I found out that the Holy Spirit lived in me. Like, changed, man. I don't even that's just simple as I can put it. <laughs> I got, I, I got to realize that I was a Romans eight man, that I was no longer a Roman seven man, that I had been identifying as a Roman seven and that I was indeed not in flesh, but in spirit. And that's Romans eight, nine. And it's, it's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Jonathan says, I read it in the book. <laughs> right. Did you uh, like when did you know anything about Love Reality or Jonathan when you went to camp? No. Nope. Nope. So you just happened to be you're like, I'll go to the young adult tent and, and see what it's about. 
Yeah, I was one of the, I, I've been one of the Oregon young adult leaders in in um, Portland for probably since 2015, 2016. And so um, actually since Pastor uh, Benjamin Lundquist came came to mm-hmm. Portland, I don't remember when that was, but uh, yeah, he he just goes in and starts talking about how we were made sinner because of Adam and we're made righteous because of Christ. And it reminded me so much of what Jack Sequoia had said back in 2012, but I had, I, I just, I don't think I was in a place in 2012 where I fully could grasp it because once I got that character of God in, you know, 2014, 2016, and then, and then that, that seed was planted and then watered by, you know, George and Jonathan in 2018, it just, something clicked. I, for me, one of the big, and I think I might've talked to you about this on a video on Instagram one time, but you, have you heard of the objective and the subjective? Okay. Yeah. But explain that. I remember. Yeah. Talk about it. For me, this is like one of the big life changing understandings. And it, it was the idea that like the objective would be like the, the root of my life. So like, what is the thing that I'm agreeing with as truth? So for me, like the agreement is faith and and the truth is that God Jesus has set me free from sin. And and so that's objectively true. Like it's the it's the foundation of of what I believe. And mm-hmm. so I could agree with that and believe it. And then as I was walking in that reality, the subjective then would be like the experience that happens that flows from from the the truth of of the gospel essentially. And so as I started to believe that I was free from sin, I began to see the fruits of being free from sin. And it was like, not anything I did. It was just God working in my life via, via belief and faith. If that makes sense. No, that's awesome. So as he's preaching this thing and you're learning about this stuff, did it hit right away or were you kind of skeptical or were you just ready to, to understand this stuff? I was I was honestly primed for for the picking. I I I believed it. I I knew. See, this is the thing: is I had heard this in 2012, and I had read it on my own during that time in between. I just hadn't been able to piece it together. And when Jonathan came and pieced it together, it it clicked for me. the The thing that absolutely sealed the whole thing was Second Corinthians chapter three. When you go Ooh, read that, yeah, explain that. Yeah, when you go read Second Corinthians chapter three, there's a ministry of of condemnation and there's a ministry of righteousness. And essentially, I've come to see the ministry of condemnation is Romans seven. It's this the law revealing sin, but it's supposed to point you to Jesus. Like, like there's a point. It's a ministry. Like it's supposed to send you to righteousness, right? Well, I had been living in the ministry of condemnation for so long the law exposing sin and then just feeling condemned. And the Lord was just like, the Holy spirit lives in you believe that you've been set free from sin and enter into the ministry of righteousness, enter into freedom. And so I just, I got to a place where I was like, yeah, that's me. I agree. I believe. And it was just like this, like we're always growing into the reality of how God sees us. Right. Mm -hmm. But how he sees us is, is like, is pure. So we're, like this is sanctification, right? We we talk about sanctification all the time, and I have kind of my own definition, but it's this idea: sanctification is being renewed in the reality that already is. Hmm. You're being renewed in how God has always seen you. Right. 
So you are who he says you are and you're experiencing the fruits of who he says that you are. So it happened 2018 camp meeting July. It was a month after I got married. So a month after you got married, that's good timing. Yeah, man. Cause like, uh, when you saw this and you realized this identity, were you able to look back at your dating life and then just like into marriage just for a few weeks and, and was there a shift in, in how you were able to see your wife then? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, again, like my, I spent, I took like two years off of, of dating and just was just, was like, okay, Lord's going to do his thing when he wants to. And I'm going to heal and I'm going to, cause I don't, I want to be the best version of myself I can be for my wife. And so like, I was like, I, I wouldn't want to marry me in this state in 2014, 2016. You know, I was like, I wouldn't want to marry me. So I, my relationship with Sarah is definitely the healthiest relationship I've ever had. Um, of course she's my wife and now it's as healthy as it's ever been. Um, but there was a, there was a moment in 2018 where I began to see my wife the way that God saw me. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I feel like ever since then, You've been like a gospel junkie, bro. Like, <laughs> you have just been on it. And we first touched base. It was probably fall 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where? A year and a couple of years. Yeah. Because I just saw you on Twitter. And I was oh, like, that's right. Like, we were on I'm, Twitter. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? And you had a mustache yes. back then or something? I had like a beard. Yeah. I I got rid of that man. That was nasty. <laughs> Some of but, the decisions we make in freedom just you know aren't. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you you were just on it, and sometimes when we run into people who like get it, we're kind of like, like yo, how'd you hear about this? Like, yeah, where right. where'd you get this from? Right. And so um, I was able to touch base with you. How do you feel like you've been growing? in freedom like what do you have been learning and what's like something that like that's been new for you yeah so this is this has been what i'm about to talk about has been probably the last 6 months to a year like it's okay. been this has been paradigm shifting for me uh that sin is not just an action or an inaction it's literally a lie first and foremost about the character of god hmm. so it starts there and then it manifests in me, if I, you know, don't know God, it can manifest in me not knowing really who I am. And then Mm -hmm. it manifests then in me not seeing you the way that God sees you. And then I interact with you in a way that is not wholesome and, and, and beneficial to you. And so essentially that, that, that is the actions of sin. So like not knowing him leads to the actions. It's, it's, there's a deeper root that causes the fruit and uh, sin being alive about the character of God is freeing because when you look at Jesus's life, you cannot look at Jesus and come to any other. If you believe he's God, you cannot come to any other conclusion looking at the life and death, the incarnation, life, death and resurrection of Jesus and conclude anything other than he's love. Hmm. 
and you know him like you know his character <laughs> right if you look at the 30,000 foot view of like the cross he i mean if you go through it systematically he you know created humanity with perfect freedom of choice before the foundations of the world he had a plan like he walked with humanity um in the garden when they when everything went awry he was faithful to them he made promises to them and you know genesis 3 14 he immediately promises them what he's going to do he walks with them he gives his law to expose sin like he's he points them to the coming messiah that loves them he becomes a man he dies like he lets humanity murder him on a cross to reveal the heart of god and like Mm -hmm. he doesn't retaliate he doesn't complain he doesn't seek revenge after he comes back to life like I can't come to any other conclusion than that God is love and that, that God loves me and he loves you. He broke sin. He broke the lie about the character of God. Pretty good, man. It's just, it's, it's just wrecking me. <laughs> so in the best way, I feel like you're kind of known like out there. Tell me about your, um, your motivation to make this Instagram page that I just found oh, yeah. out was your Instagram page. That's right. Cool. <laughs> so my, what, what are you trying to do with that? Yeah, my original motivation is probably still the same. Honestly, is I wanted to create graphics so people could easily understand kind of the biblical concepts that we that we see in you know Romans and 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 Hebrews and 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 the Gospels like John and and so that people can maybe have something on the go that if they needed a quick reference to understand like, Hey, where's this verse or that verse? And how does that interact with like freedom from sin and like, and our identity and, and God's character, they could like quickly reference it on an Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I use it mainly for like reference. So like if I have a friend that I'm walking through or walking with for that year in, in the freedom, I, you know, identity gospel, my desire is that, you know, I can send them th- that if they have a question, they inevitably have questions. I send them this graphic. I'm like, Hey, do you see how this interacts with this? And they're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Cause of the graphic. <laughs> so that was my original intention. That's what's up, man. Well, I love it, man. For college students mainly. For sure. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I, now I got to ask you the question I always ask. And like, let's say you can go back to, uh, this time where, your girlfriend has split up with you and you're, you're feeling as low as you've probably ever felt. What would you tell that dude? How would you talk to him about this stuff? (laughs) I'll do this without trying to choke up. Hmm. I would first, I would sit with them in silence for like half an hour to an hour and I would just absorb some of the pain that that person was going through. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit with them in that space and not need them to say anything, not need me to say anything and just be okay. And uh, my brother's been sick for a year and a half and he had a a panic attack a couple of weeks ago while I was at his house. And I just, I did that. I just got in bed with him and I held him and I, I held him and he cried and cause he's been just, it's a whole nother thing. I could talk about that some other time, but I held, I held him in silence for, as he cried for like an hour, hour and a half. And after that emotion had passed, 
we sat there for maybe five, 10 more minutes. And he just looked at me and I told him, I said, you are not someone that lives from circumstance. I, I instilled, I spoke the truth of who he was. I didn't tell him that you need to be someone that doesn't live according to circumstance. I told him that he was not someone that lives according to circumstance because that's a gift. Like you're not making somebody do it on their own. You're giving them what they think they don't have. Hmm. Even though in Christ they have it. And so you're giving them an opportunity to believe, yeah, I'm not, I'm not someone that lives according to circumstance. And so when I, when I got broken up with, I was in my mind, I was a man that was living according to circumstance And I needed, what I needed was I need someone just like George to come and cry with me and remind me that I'm not. And, uh, that's what I would do. And then I would remind, and then I would remind them of the truth of how God sees them. But yeah. I love it, bro. And I love, uh, your testimony. I love your heart for people. And I'm excited to see that like all the, the gospel that's going to be shared through you um, because it's just going to be more of the same. You know what I'm saying? More people seeing who they are. Yeah. If you're a college student, like I just want you to know if you're listening to this, like, and you're going through similar stuff or not, and you're just a college student, like you are, you are so loved. You're valuable. You're God's child. Like people care about you. I care about you. We can reach out and uh, yeah. Love it, man. Thanks for coming on, brother. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive, we stay alive, ayy, 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 put your hands down, ayy, hey, we ain't coming questions, yeah, we bend down, Creed, I am a don, it's most the hands now, we're from thinking bro to living rich now, ayy, hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now, ayy, she look kinda bougie and she bad now, ayy, hey, mama think I made it, is you proud now, ayy, hey, ayy, hey. With the spirits trying to play with me uh, uh, Ain't finna go shoot 
case not say we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I cannot wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, ayy hey.